This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found on Gadget Geek Show number 351, recorded on April 12th, 2018. Here on Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets that find news, reviews, product updates, and conversation. I'm your host, Jim Cawson, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.com studios here in a Mike, spring has arrived at least for two days, and then I think we're going to get some snow. Mark Robson told me in the chat room before the show, they're expecting like 15 to 18 inches of snow up there. Can you imagine? But, April. Yeah, but we're supposed to get some on Saturday, too. I can't believe it. More snow. One to two, though, right? I mean, I think we're on I the outer... So. I think yeah. we're on the outer band. It keeps going it. down, too. The more I check it, it keeps going yeah, down. Yeah, it'll be a drizzle. It'll be yeah. downgraded to a drizzle. Chris, where where are you located, Chris? I'm in central Jersey. Near the beach. Yeah, oh, right on the beach. Well, you guys got hit pretty hard when Andrew or whatever it was. What what came through and, and wiped you guys out? Or did were you affected by a, a hurricane? Couple years that ago, was right? that was a couple years ago. Sandy, Hurricane Sandy. Yeah, Sandy, yeah. Much, uh, much we weren't living out here at that point, but. That, that's the most recent one, yeah. Well, well, hurricane season's coming uh, for you guys. And uh, we, we of course, um, we're trying to get rid of the snow. It has just been the worst spring uh, on record here. We set record lows uh, because of weather. But uh, everybody else, I don't know. Mark, up in Canada, Mark, we're sorry. You're taking the hit for us this weekend. You're going to get all the snow. But we, uh, of course, we post a show with world-class show notes each week out at theaverageguy.tv. Don't forget, you can listen to the mobile app, too, if you want to listen to us uh, live and you're on the road. Mobile app's the best way to do it. HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Most of you who've downloaded that are going to download it, but I'll remind you anyways. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts if you're out listening that way. It was, uh, review on the phone works great. Just do it right off the phone. Subscribe and click the notification bell on YouTube. So if you're listening to the recorded version, by the way, YouTube has fixed their notification problems. It used to be awful. And they, I don't know, Mike, I don't know what they did, but it's fixed. Like, yep. it's its beautiful. So click that notification bell and you get a little toast notification that says when we're live. Now, that's not true because I have a separate live channel and then I have a recorded channel. And so if you're listening to the edited version, you're on the recording side. And that's okay. Subscribe to that one. If you want to know when we go live and get notified, just head over to the live channel, right? That's on the live page. Just grab one of those videos on the live page, click the YouTube link, go to the live page and subscribe. That way, when we go live, you'll get notified. A great way to do it. And then if you're listening on Spreaker, just drop a little like, and we appreciate you doing that. Don't forget, uh, post-show, Mike and I will hang around. We're going to see if we can entice Chris into hanging out with us for a little bit. And uh, we're going to talk crypto. We do that. It's available for our Patreon subscribers. One buck a month gets you access to it. Lots of back catalog now, Mike, on our crypto conversations. And today was a pretty nice day for crypto. Yeah, so, it's a good day. It's a fun day to have a potion. Uh, it. the, the dopamine is back. You're like, right. hey, <laughs> winner. And it's so, been a while. You know, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Well, that, right. that's what it's been for a good day on crypto. Right. Chris, have you gotten into crypto very much? Have you talked about it, seen it, done much with it? I, I, I'm aware of it. I've talked about it with my students. Uh, there's a math teacher who I work with who... He is into it, and we talk. He talks about his mining. So, I'm I'm not there in terms of taking the plunge. Yeah, kind I'm of aware, aware, kind of aware, and I think that's okay. That's a good space. I I do think we'll talk a bunch about this in the post show, um, and I have an announcement about a special event I'm going to be at. But um, I think the blockchain is really more interesting from a tech perspective than the currency side is. Currency is fun. It's just a it's a roll of the dice. It's just a gamble. You are just gambling at this point. 
but the technology to the technologies that are going into the blockchain are going to be dynamite. So I, I think it's early days, but uh, so stay stay tuned. You're not out of it just yet. Uh, I think there'll be days when it'll be significant, uh, even for high schoolers, to kind of know what's going on with blockchain. So pretty cool. Well, Chris, I've uh, asked you a couple questions, but we haven't officially uh, interviewed or we haven't uh, announced you yet. But Chris Nessie. Uh, Chris has been on before. We've had him on. He's an educator. We talk about ed tech. Uh, so, Chris, welcome to Home Gadget Geeks. Thank you very much, Jim and Weeder, as you go by. So, it's it's nice to be back here on HGG. Yeah, no, good to have you. Um, tell us, for the folks who maybe didn't hear the last time you were on, just give us a little bit of your background and what you're currently doing. Sure. I Again, I live here in New Jersey. I am a high school social studies teacher. Uh, I've been teaching for... I think this is, I'm going to be finishing my 11th year as an educator. Um, I'm also a podcaster. I'm the host of the House of EdTech podcast, and I'm also the host of Podcast PD, and I'm the founder of the Education Podcast Network, because my name is Chris, and I'm addicted to podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it happens to all of us, except Mike, you went the other way. You started, did a bunch, got a vlog going, and then just kind of dropped off. I can't decide what I want to do. And now I'm like, okay, do I want to go more just tech videos? And I don't, I can't decide how to scratch my creative itch. Hey, you know what? That's okay too, because there are a lot of people who never start creating anything. True. So, you talk about it and talk and talk and talk and never do it. Right. And I've kind of done the opposite. I've started, I've done too many and then dropped off. Like I said, that's okay. Because yeah. no. some people never start. You, Mike, you like Dave McCabe, you guys are good at getting in and getting out. Like, in, I'm going to do this for a while, not, and then I'm out. And uh, you, yeah, you, but it's um, not always a good thing. I mean, it, sometimes it is. You know, sometimes we benefit from it. Uh, there's sometimes I'm like, oh man, it would have been fun to stick with that though, right? Like the stick tutiveness for some of those things. Now the good news is you can start it again when you're True. ready. You yeah, exactly. And um, I have a high school senior who is graduating this year in in my in my technology program at Gallup. Ian has decided he's not going to go to college. He is going to, he's going to try to do, he's get what, which is just crazy these days. I mean, conventional wisdom would say you got to get that bachelor's degree if you're going to want to get any kind of job. I don't know if that's necessarily true for everybody, but that's what the culture says right now. Like you got to get that college degree. And I got uh, to say culture is changing, Jim. No, I, I, I agree. I agree with you, but. Uh, I, I work for a company that requires a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. I, a lot of companies here in the city of Omaha require a bachelor's degree for tech jobs and for a lot of other jobs too. Um, and, and, but for some of the in-demand jobs, we've been kind of straddled with this requirement because we bring in overseas resources from India and China to control the flow of that. We have to require, they have bachelor's degrees. Well, that means we have to require everybody has bachelor's degree. And you can't just, if you remove that to bring in all these other students, it would just, it would just wreak havoc in the system, right? So we've got some backing out to do to, to make that work. But um, there's lots of, Chris, there's, and you probably see this more than anything, there's lots of organizations on the tech side, code schools and some of those kinds of things that are trying to get these students in and, and able to work in these programs and employed. Do you see any of that as a, as a high school teacher? Absolutely. There, I mean, more than ever, you're seeing companies getting more involved in education and providing resources and access to software and even writing curriculum and designing programs where students not only get experience, but they can also earn college credits, whether it's at the community college or a local 
university or four-year school or even a trade school for you know things like computer science so it, the, the game is changing and yeah. it, it it's refreshing yeah well it needs to to be honest we got we've got some work to do there this senior uh, student of mine he said yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna try to make it go and his mom was just super concerned there was for me last night last two nights uh, parent teacher conference is what we call it that my high school interns come in you know they're with me on saturday mornings and uh, they come in with their parents and we, I get to tell their parents how great they are. You, you do a little bit of this, except like my students are handpicked and they're, they're the chosen ones and they're, they're pretty good kids. You got to deal with, you know, everybody. Luck so, of the so draw. <laughs> yeah. Some parents you got to say, mm, not going so well. I need you to kind of help, you know, work with this. But um, so mom was a little concerned and Mike, he, he's put together a web portfolio and he's going to do some drone flying. Really? Yeah, he wants to see if he can kind of turn. He does. He's a racer, and he does. He does the racing with the virtual reality goggles. You know. Okay. With, yeah. With the first the, person view FPV. Yeah. Yeah. With the drones, and he's going to try and do some of the stuff, same stuff you were doing, which is you know contracting photography. Interesting. Yeah. See, but how cool would that be? So let's say we your company would for some reason be able to like get rid of that requirement. This is a kid that since you guys do get so involved in the high school level. You know whether you like this kid or not, whether he would be a good fit. You get him into your company. So let's say he doesn't go to college, comes working directly for you. He starts going debt free. He's getting you guys can pay him a little bit. You you get him four years earlier than or maybe three or two years earlier than you might have full time, not just part time. I mean, there's a lot of other things in college that you get out of the experience, right? But there's a lot of good sides that's thinking about the other way too. Of if you got him that much earlier, you got to form him, teach him the ways that you guys do things. He might be that much more valuable, that much quicker. And he's looking at it saying, "Hey, now I'm making money instead of spending money." And I'm going to end up in the same spot. And four, four years from now, I'll actually be ahead in my career at Gallup if this is where I want to build my career. And you guys probably, if you if the companies went that route, there's probably a lot less turnover because they've really learned the way of of Gallup, right? That's what they've learned. It, might, it would be an interesting test to see how that all worked, right? It's No one's really doing that right now. So it's not, you can't really say it would work very well, but it might. Well, I have... Four-year interns that can they can start with me as a freshman in high school, and they can work their way up through, and then could stay on through college. So they could be with us for eight years. But and you I, had one of your first eight-year people, right? Didn't you have? No, someone we're who's... we're on our fifth year, so okay, we've, fifth year. we've had our very first senior class make it all its way its way to graduation this year. So we're we're getting close on that. Um, but I have a freshman who is going to be a senior next year. And she's been in the program for four years and she has that opportunity to make that run to be with us all four years of college. So in your opinion, then if you, if that person hadn't been in college the whole time, if you had just had them as a full-time employee, do you think it would have gone as well as it did? Well, that's a great question. That's a super good question. What we found in the university system is in a lot of cases, especially five or six years ago, they weren't getting the kids ready enough with code. They're trying to jam in. They're trying to make them great citizens, right? That's really the job of college is to make great citizens. Yep. And so, uh, and the code's changing so fast, they just couldn't give them enough code. So when we partnered with us in an internship, their work is the code. Then they go to school to get the rest of the stuff that they need. To build them as a that's person. That's beautiful. Yeah, when that that's works. A good point. I think that's the best part of college is it really builds everything around you. Like, yeah, your skills you're going to learn on the job. A lot of those are, but it just builds you as a complete person, kind of the whole person. Yeah. Kind of other gym, other gym is saying in the chat room. Some high schools here graduate kids with CCNA certs, and one is starting a cybersecurity program. 
this was the first year I hired two seniors in high school to be part of our cybersecurity program. Just brilliant kids, a lot of determination. They worked three to five hours a week, came in on Saturdays sometimes uh, with my high school class, and we got quite a bit of work out of them in a year. And they were seniors, right, doing cybersecurity for us. And hopefully they'll go on to a local cyber cybersecurity program here mm-hmm. and we'll just keep them through school. So that's kind of the, that's kind of, Chris, in your area, do you have businesses that are partnering at all at the high school level for internships? Have you seen any of that? The thing that I can speak to, and this would be not on the tech side, but in, in my high school, uh, one of the supermarkets, uh, it's called ShopRite. I don't know if they have different things elsewhere, different versions of it. But we have a ShopRite junior in the high school I work in, and we have a fully functioning mini supermarket in the building. And kids are getting, you know, obviously during the day on the job training, and they've parlayed that into jobs with ShopRite and other, you know, retail businesses. Um, In my particular community, we are looking to build up, you know, more coding and computer science and getting more involved on the tech side. and where we are uh, in Central Jersey, we have relationships with uh, with Rutgers University, uh, Johnson and Johnson, which is right there. You know, in terms of pharmaceutical type stuff, so it, it's it's in the area, so it, it's on the way. Yeah, well, and and um, yeah, you've, there's some great opportunities. R- regardless, I think of where, no matter where you're at, the the in the tech space, what we need is everywhere now. And it's not just the Silicon Valley anymore, or it's not just Boston, or it's not just Austin. Um, And and so there's some great opportunities. We're trying to do some stuff uh, tonight. We're going to talk about a few of these things. I think, Chris, you'd said to me, these are some things that you're familiar with that you might be using that may make its way into mainstream. I I do see uh, actually some, there there have been some things in the ed tech space that have made, probably made their way out and are are being used mainstream. So um, let's get that. Uh, let's kick that off and get that started. Why don't we start with Flipgrid? I think that was the very first one you put in the show notes. Why don't you, uh, while you're talking about that, I will throw that up on the screen for folks to look at. Sure. So uh, I have a number of tools that I want to share with with everybody tonight. And and again, the first is Flipgrid, and all of these tools have a great creative communication collaboration component to them. And Flipgrid in education is as you see here on the screen, it's giving students a voice. So think of maybe you were this person or you remember this person when you were a student that, you know, they didn't say much, but, you know, they were engaged in class, but, you know, they were afraid to raise their hand. Uh, what Flipgrid allows you to do as a teacher is give students a this board, this grid, where I can put up a question, a prompt, and I can engage the students in posting video responses to questions rather than just writing out on paper or typing in say Google docs or Microsoft word, you know, writing an essay, I can actually get my students talking and recording video. That's, you know, mobile friendly, whether you have iPads or Chromebooks in your classroom, or you have uh, you know, bring your own device and you have kids on their smartphones. Uh, this is accessible anywhere for, for your students. Um, I use it with my high school students. I use it. I also, I I didn't throw in at the beginning. I also, uh, from last time I now teach at the college level as well. And I've used this to replace uh, traditional threaded discussion boards for my college classes. And the reason I did that was I got tired of reading the same thing 40 times from college students, which is amazing. (laughs) This now even gives those young adults 
a voice and the ability to do something that they're comfortable with, which is take out their phone, turn on the camera and just start to yap. <laughs> so yeah. this is a tool that lets me really see what they're thinking and gauge their learning. Now, how do we apply this in the home? Well, when I first got involved with using Flipgrid, you know, over the summer, uh, the hashtag is Flipgrid fever, you know, for people checking things out on Twitter and other social media platforms. I first experimented with it in the summer and I used this tool at family events. I used it at my son, my youngest son. He turned two in August last year and I had it at his birthday party and I had people leaving him video birthday messages. And then after the fact, I was able to download all of these clips, throw them on my hard drive, tuck them away. And as we've done different things, I did it at Christmas, Thanksgiving, you know, recently with, with Easter and just kind of gathering these family memories on video and just kind of be able to save them, share them out. I can share the link on Facebook and people can get engaged that way, you know, within my family. So that is something that's been really exciting to bring into the classroom and also bring into my personal life. How, how are the schools responding? So Flipgrid, I assume um, they've got plans for the school and for the teacher and, you know, some of those things, but do these get school-wide adoption? How, how are, or are you just, can you just use it in your class and are they okay with that? How does that work? It, it depends on uh, what, what do they say? You know, lo local laws and regulations, you know, may apply local restrictions. Uh, there are schools that are obviously taking a company like Flipgrid up on its district wide plans. Um, but it is what is considered freemium. So a teacher or anybody can sign up for free and you have limited access, but to all that it does, but just on a limited scale in terms of how many, what they call grids a person can have. So it, it just depends there. There are, you know, there might be a group of fourth grade teachers who they decide to purchase it on their own and they'll all have access. Or you might again have a district that says, hey, this is available. We want every teacher in the whole district to use this or make it available to you to use. Chris, one of the questions I get all the time is, you know, kids are on their phone. First of all, do your high school students get to have their phones in class? Can they have them out? They they can within reason. Uh, and I try and, and I'm a obviously I'm a big education technology fan. So my students have more opportunities than most in my school. So, but, but even for me, sometimes it can be a distraction because yeah. let's face it, they're addicted. <laughs> well, we all are. I've, I've taught yeah, adult class no and you get two minutes in and you look around and 13 people are on their phone. Right. And, and, and so I had this question today from one of our strengths coaches, our certified strengths coaches at work. And she had, she was at a college, I think these were college seniors and she was giving them this strengths curriculum and going through and she noticed the second she gave them time to do anything, they immediately picked up their phones. Like, hey, let's take two minutes and do this exercise. Do you think the traditional way of teaching in that where we're lecturing and then do something and lecturing and do something, as I look at something like a Flipgrid, that's all gets jumbled up now. It's kind of like we're kind of doing it at different times and everybody's doing it in different ways. Are you seeing kind of a, a change in the way that education's working that way where we, we can no longer just kind of yap so to speak at our students oh i, I mean i i tell students at any level whether i'm doing pd for teachers or talking to high school or college kids i don't get up and lecture for 45 minutes or 80 minutes whatever time i have i wouldn't want to listen to myself for that long i don't expect anybody else to <laughs> yeah. so 
the game again is changing and, and we're blending a lot of these tools and teaching strategies and instructional methods together where, like you're saying, you know, it's almost like watching TV, give them some content, give them a break, give them some content, give them a break. And so to go back to talking about cell phones in the classroom, yeah, you have to allow for some, I guess, distraction or some downtime because when you go out and when they're on their own or, you know, nobody's at somebody's job saying, put your phone away, you know, don't sit in your cubicle and check your Twitter or your Instagram. We're going to do that. It's just a matter of, you know, being more responsible and realizing what your responsibilities and what, where your focus needs to be at any given moment. So when we think of Flipgrid, give me your best case scenario. Like just give me a real world example of where you maybe were trying to get through something and then you, you how you assigned it and how the students would respond. Uh, one of the best ways and really engaging ways I use it with my kids is I'll use it to kind of close out a lesson or get some feedback or uh, the term I use is uh, it's like an exit ticket. So after I've completed a lesson, you know, they might have to, before they leave the classroom, rather than me asking every kid, what did you learn today? I can just post a prompt and before they put their Chromebooks away at the end of the period, pop in, leave your video message. And then I can check that after the fact uh, it's open where they can also check each other's messages. And it, it's a tool that it, I think it builds community because mm -hmm. they're not just writing or giving their answer to me to read or, you know, my in-class support teacher, they can interact with each other. They can reply to each other. And I've designed assignments where they've even had to do that, whether we're looking at speeches or watching, you know, YouTube videos and give me like your reaction because they've all seen those reaction videos on YouTube where it's like, you know, college kids react to watching DuckTales from the 90s. <laughs> so we'll watch some historical content and then I'll have them give their initial reaction to it and in its video and they can interact with each other. And so they're doing that in a classroom setting. Like, right. You're so you're just saying, Hey, I want your reaction. And so they're all just turning on their cameras and recording it all at the same time. And, and they're okay. I mean, it took video. I mean, I can remember in the old days when Skype first came out with video, I couldn't get adults to turn their camera on. Like everybody was afraid of the camera. I know these kids now live in a world where that's super common. And so they're okay with it now. But, but what you're saying is that maybe in the last 10 minutes of a class, you can say, I want you to record a reaction and they just all do that. That's the way it works. Yep. Wow. That's it, it. It's, it took time. I mean, they, they were immature as baby freshmen, you know, in September when we started the school year, but I, I've built that culture in them over the course of the school year. And, you know, the first time I had them do it, some of them were like, can I cover the camera? And I said, sure, but make sure that you're not covering the microphone so we can hear your voice. Right. And then as they became more comfortable, you know, I mean, I'm all for pushing a kid off a ledge and, you know, go see if you can fly, but I'm still going to provide some semblance of a safety net. Yeah. And so you do find they grow a little bit in this is they get better at, you, you see any aspiring podcasters in there after a while? Like you're like, Hey, these, they're, these people are pretty good at this. I don't know about podcasters, but they all want to be, you know, YouTube stars or they're really, a lot of them are into video content. Uh, I, I've thrown a couple of options on some different projects we've done this year where I use the term podcasting and I explain what it is and, you know, that it's, you know, audio content. And we've listened to some podcasts in class to kind of supplement the content. Um, so they're aware of it. it hopefully it, you know, becomes uh, maybe like subliminally tattooed in them to say, oh, I remember when Mr. Nessie talked about podcasts. Well, yes. and it, it sounds like too, I can imagine it promotes a really good like self-image, right? Like you, you've got this girl who, okay, can I cover the camera? Now she's getting more comfortable. 
these people kind of start to break out of their shell, I'm sure. People who probably aren't used to talking very much, maybe in public or sharing stuff like that, get a little more comfortable. I, I see that as a great thing for a lot of these kids is having a comfortable space where it's all based on education. This is not a popularity contest. This isn't Facebook, Instagram. This is literally just putting yourself on camera. I bet that helps people, especially, I can't even imagine, in that freshman year of high school. Like That is such an awkward age for every single kid that it's got to be a, you got to get a good response and see people grow throughout the semester. Yeah. And actually as, as we're getting here ready to kind of close out the year with, you know, under 50 days to go, you know, I pointed out recently how, how much they've grown and, you know, listed the different things that we've talked about and covered and some of the technology that they've used, you know, in a social studies class and kids have been commenting, you know, yeah, you know, you're right. We, we have done a lot of things. And I remember when I didn't want to do, you know, ABC back in November. And now, yeah, I know how to do this, whether it's, you know, Google sites or, you know, recording video or audio. And uh, yeah, they're definitely coming out of those shells. Um, uh, Chris on Flipgrid, do, how are the broken, these videos, are they broken down by assignment? Can they be broken down by date? Could they be broken down? So, you know, as an example, I've got my, I'm thinking like, man, I'm going to use this thing. So uh, I have these, uh, my, my technology students come in on Saturdays and we have six weeks and I'd like to, maybe have them submit a what I learned video or share their learning from the week before. Um, we're going to change the way we teach. In other words, I'm going to let them learn on YouTube. So we're going to assign videos to them first and say all the teaching will be done with expert teachers on YouTube and then come in and the practicum is done in a setting where they can team or work alone or get help or have mentors, right? That seems to be the most collaborative learning environment. And the best spent time isn't somebody lecturing them, but because they can learn before they come in, right? That changes. Could I give them each week a space where they just do, they all do that in the same space and then they can see it for each other? Is that how that works? Absolutely. And, and the way you described it, that is the ideal way to use a tool like Flipgrid. You know, you, you, you and your team could come up with, you know, a prompt question related to what they're going to do in a given week. One question, two questions. Uh, and even you as the person who is, created the space could they could see you in a video saying hey you know this is jim welcome to week one based on what we did here's something i'd like you to reflect on and share your thoughts on and boom all they gotta do is hit that big green plus button and just add it is the way it works and, and then they, they can they, all see each other's and they could go through and review them i go so you go through and review these then each is like if you're giving an assignment respond to this then at the end of the day you're spending some time going through looking at the videos Probably getting to know the kids pretty well that way too, I would imagine. I one of the first things I did was I used it as an icebreaker as a get to know you. So we did a little, you know, my you know, my name is and a favorite dessert in class. And then I also put some prompts with some questions, just get to know you general personal trivia type stuff. So absolutely right. icebreakers no, all the pretty, way. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna have to this is I may have to try this because it's it's a really cool do, do you ever, um, do your kids learn? I, I just said the statement, like, I think kids are learning on YouTube these days. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find, do you ever sign YouTube videos for them to watch that you've curated or to say, hey, I want you to go home and watch this and make an assignment? Not as homework because okay. there's actually no homework in my classroom. <laughs> oh. So I, I use the full 80 minutes. Where so you when I was in high school. Jeez. Yeah, right. <laughs> can I take your uh, class? Yeah, can I take your class? I'll be there. So, but actually, most recently, we started um, – there's something in social studies called DBQs, which is document-based questioning, where I would curate you know, five or six primary source documents, letters, newspaper articles related to a topic, and the students would read those 
answer some questions, and then compose a four to five paragraph formal essay. This marking period, I'm doing a VBQ, which is video-based question, where I've curated five videos that they have to watch, answer some questions, and then they're making their own video. So using the tech, but still getting the content. Yeah. Mike, in the pre-show, I was rambling on about all this stuff I'd learned about England by watching YouTube videos. And this is, I kind of had this realization, like, I spend these moments. I mean, I go deep. I'll go four or five hours. Like, I'll get frustrated with something. I don't want to work anymore. So I'll just jump over to YouTube to watch one video. Next thing I know, it's four hours later. Listen, I've learned a ton that way. And I just started thinking, why would I go teach students to code when the best coders on the planet are leaving YouTube videos, right? Yeah. And they can learn from that. And then we can do the practicum, which they can't get on YouTube, right? They can't get the practicum that, that they would be on their own. They would be trying to do it by themselves. So bring them in, let them see the business, let them work with each other, let them develop those relationships. Chris, it sounds like you're doing some of that in that setting too, where you're getting the kids a little more social. So they are learning. It's not just a disconnected from each other, but you're teaching them some of those social skills as well. Absolutely. One, one of my biggest, I guess, missions is to not let face-to-face communication die a painful death. So not just off on your own, bury your face in the screen. So, I mean, I'm doing traditional activities like debates and, you know, having them talk to each other. And this is at any level. So that's something that's still really important. Yeah. And I think a really good use of the classroom time, by the way, because uh, the lecture stuff can be done other in other ways. They can learn in other ways. What they're missing today is they're leaving the classroom and then they're all set going their separate ways and they're trying to text each other or whatever. And they're, they're missing that face-to-face dialogue, right? That face-to-face, how do you negotiate? How do you be a nice person? <laughs> how do you have friends? You know, kind of those kinds of things. So um, no, good for you. We're going to run out of time if we just stay on that one. But uh, so you also threw out um, Padlet for us. Talk a little bit about that one. So Padlet is, what's the best way I could describe this? Uh, are, are you guys familiar with the, uh, like, like, like Trello and some of these project management type tools? Yeah, especially like Trello, because that's become so popular in the project management side. Okay. So this kind of operates like that, where you have a, a virtual space to like kind of do like a pinup board, except with Padlet, not only can you put in text and kind of facilitate and kind of gather information and solicit responses and engagement, uh, you can do that with text. And in the last couple of months, they've added the ability to uh, upload video and audio and you can organize these things in different ways and share them. Uh, you can bring in YouTube content. So you, you can really engage an audience with it. Um, the way I use it in a classroom, I can set up a Padlet board to kind of have them, you know, to start a lesson, you know, uh, it's called the KWL chart where what do I already know about a particular topic before I teach you anything? What I want to find out what the kids know. Then I want to find out what they want to learn, and then we'll find out what they learned after the lesson. And something like Padlet lets me do that digitally and actually put it in columns where they can answer those questions, uh, contribute, again, a video response, an audio response, uh, upload pictures. So it's just another tool to engage. Um, It sort of operates a little bit like Pinterest. It kind of has that look and feel to add content, and depending on how you set up your Padlet wall, you can 
allow people to manipulate it. You can moderate responses to questions or prompts. So that's that's Padlet. <laughs> uh, you you mentioned Trello. Why not just use Trello? Um, Padlet being built for education uh, complies with a lot of the different laws that are out there when we're having students sign up for stuff. So I know that Padlet is uh, COPA compliant and it is good for kids. Okay. So there, I, I, this is actually something I never thought of, which is in the education space, there are rules, right? That you guys have to follow about what software you can and can't use. And you said COPA. The only COPA I know is COPA Cabana. So can you <laughs> dig in a little bit on that one? Because what, what, what does that mean? There's just laws in place uh, you know, in, in, that, that protect the data of our students. So if I have them, you know, to even say, you know, I want you to sign up for Twitter. Well, Twitter isn't compliant. You know, they, anybody can sign up for Twitter. You know, it's not regulated. It's not moderated. Um, and what they do with the student, with a person's email address, even for, you know, like you and me, you know, what are they doing with our email address, our location, our tweets, the hashtags, our location. So when we use something like a Padlet or a Flipgrid, they're committed to not mining the data of the user, you know, so they're keeping the kids safe. It's kind of like the difference between, you know, Google apps for you and me as a, like having a Gmail versus Google apps for business or using those tools, you know, G suite for education, you know, kids don't see ads in a school Gmail account um, or, or, and the data is not pulled to show them ads anywhere. And they don't mine that data. At least that's what they say. Um. It's also very text driven. Um, and this seems to be more drag and drop, more media centric. Do you find that easier for the kids to kind of manipulate those things where, where it's a little more friendly towards, towards that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and there are some classrooms like in my school that have touchscreen Chromebooks. So even again, something like this is a little more tactile to use when they're doing video or audio. Uh, I keep bugging the people that make the decisions to give me some touchscreen Chromebooks in my room, but we have not gotten there yet. Well, you know, you'll eventually get them. Um, Mike, could could this be Padlet? Uh, could Mike and I like put our show notes for the show on Padlet if we wanted to bring videos in and have things we wanted to talk about and different sites? Is it that collaborative? Definitely. You, you could even open it up and, you know, link. You, you could have, you know, like... Uh, homegadgetgeeks.com slash the episode number or, you know, something where you can engage your audience and listener to oh, post video. I mean, I've used Flipgrid as a feedback platform for my podcast yeah. where now yeah. I can see my listener. Right. Yeah. I could see and, how that and, could work and I can rip their audio into an audio podcast and just play the clips and my listeners get to meet each other. It, it, these, these are fun tools and fun spaces. Well, it's interesting because like you, you get it, all of a sudden, like these are the tools the kids are using. Uh, today's show notes are so text heavy, like it's links and words, right? And I'm not sure we've had too many podcasters think through like, hey, what if I, I mean, adults learn this way too. What if my show notes were a little more creative and a little more uh, visually heavy and, you know, we're all worried about SEO and all those other kinds of things, right? We talk about that stuff all the time, but, you know, interesting, depending on what your podcast is about, Mike, I, I think for some of our stuff, like it would be very appropriate to have, you know, these pictures of what we're talking about, as opposed to 
the really crappy writing that I do in our show notes, you know? Oh, right. In the, like in the, in the feed, just have a link so that when you're listening on the phone, you can just click the link to your website and then have all the pictures there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting, Chris. You have me kind of thinking like I'm, I am, I hate show notes because I think they're just ugly to be honest. And I don't know if they're very interactive. And we think of, you know, we think in, in, in terms of WordPress and we think about paragraphs and we think about, well, we'll embed a few graphics, but what if the show notes got more interactive? Like, and w- what if people could contribute to them for you? Like they could come and they too could contribute some things into this, that the show notes kind of grow as people find things when that, w- that would work, wouldn't it? I mean, I mean, absolutely. And, and the most basic way, like, let's say next week when you do this show, that you opened up the shared Google doc to people who are show up live to watch it right. as people are listening, give them the ability to contribute to your Google doc of with their comments, thoughts, links, crowdsource it. You know, it's like oh, that's, doing a live that's crazy talk, Chris. Let the people into my, <laughs> Hey, that's it, a great it, idea though. It's like a little crazy and a little not crazy. I don't know. So uh, we, we've got the core in the chat room tonight, right? There's a lot of folks out there that who show up a lot. Uh, Emily, Tony, uh, Ross is out there, other Jim uh, and Peter. Um, I don't know. Chat room. Like if I gave you access to our show notes and during the show, you would add things in that you thought were important that would make their way into the show notes at the end of the show. Um, now, uh, Google Docs are so. I'll talk while you guys answer that in chat room. Would you chat room? Would you do that if I if I open that up? Um, Chris, not as excited about a Google Doc, but something more interactive like this, where they could not just not only text but add videos in, or I don't know, Mike. What else? What I mean, links, videos. I, I don't know. Images, GIFs. There you go. And yeah. yes, I said GIF. If you don't say GIF, we could step outside. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, well. Um, well no, okay, so, yeah, okay. So I started going down a totally different path. You said something oh. that triggered my thought. Yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So I just really wish... So Chris is using all this awesome tech, right? And and there's all these platforms. Thank goodness. There's a lot of platforms that are taking what everyone's using in the real world and making it education safe, right? Where it's like, okay, privacy-wise, like Chris said, not mining the data. It's real safe and everything. Wouldn't it be great if like we had the mindset of like the 50s and 60s where it's like, ah, beat the kids for all I care. I don't care. You know, they don't have any privacy. They're kids. If we had that mindset with all this awesome tech and we could use, let's say, like just Snapchat and the teacher just makes like a Snapchat group and the kids, while they're sending messages to their friends, are also just like, oh, I got to do my homework real quick. Let me do my little two two minute report on whatever I needed to do. Like, it would be kind of cool if we didn't have. Mike, I don't don't, don't mean to cut you off, but people do that. Oh, okay. So, okay, perfect. But I'm sure, I'm sure they get a lot of slack for that. I'm sure parents throw a fit because parents now just, uh, I can't like, can't even stand it. I don't know how. Like, here's the thing: parents in a lot of places love this because really, if if it takes my child two to three minutes to just kind of react or post their response, and that's their assignment, you mean my child doesn't have to sit at the table and burden me with two and a half hours of math homework? Okay, there we, there we doing go. math the way I didn't learn it and I don't understand math today. Right. What do you mean you don't have to get the right answer? <laughs> right. Okay. So okay. So good point. So maybe we are getting a little. Maybe parents are starting to go back to the whole 
you know, yeah, just however you need to teach them best, do it. Like we trust you, whatever you think you need to do. Um, but then, you know, we do, there are legit privacy concerns, I guess, with a lot of these, if you take it to some of the big social media platforms, instead of doing the education version. Uh, but it, it just got me thinking, like, it would be kind of interesting if we weren't, didn't have to be so worried about it. And literally teachers had the freedom and resources, right? Like I under, I think you said all your students have Google, um, Chromebooks. So for for schools that don't have the access to technology, you know, it would be a little bit more interesting, but it would just be really cool if we could go back to that mindset of just teachers, we trust you, do whatever you need to do, use whatever platform and go, just be as creative as you can. And maybe they are that way. Are they more that way now? In the trenches, I'm waiting for that day where there is widespread adoption of that very mentality. Right. And I, I, and I think actually we're not too far off, right? Because so I'm a parent. I have two two young boys. That, that that'll be me as a parent. Hopefully, <laughs> I can say that now. They're they're one and a half and and three months old. But uh, when they get it to be school aged, so maybe it's this next generation that grew up with the technology. Once they have kids, they grow up and they're in school. Then we're like, oh yeah, like yeah, use it. Go do whatever you need to do. But you know, be creative with that technology. That's how we learned. That's how we wish our teachers would have taught us when we were in school. Because that's how those are the devices we had. Um, I think especially my generation, because we were in that flux where we had the technology, but it wasn't being utilized in the schools. Whereas now it's being utilized when we were in that like awkward stage and kids still are now like your school is very progressive and all this. And you, especially as a teacher are on the forefront of using this stuff. And there's still probably a lot of kids though that aren't getting that access to, to these sort of apps and these sort of ways to, to do homework. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that there is one of the downsides where, Again, there are places here in the United States where schools don't have, you know, high, fast internet access, you know, and yeah. probably in your same yeah. city, even. I mean, from town to town, you can find discrepancies in who's got what and what's available. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, I, I know that there, I, there are some places in California that the community kids at home don't have enough internet access. So what they did was there's technology out there where the school district parks the buses throughout the community and the buses give off Wi-Fi that the students can access district approved and safe filtered Wi-Fi at home. No kidding. And, and the buses give off that signal. That's awesome. Yeah. Those are the type of solutions we're going to need. And, and I mean, I'd say give it 10 years when you have kids who went to high school and graduated within the last five years where now they've gone through college and you have this new group of educators coming in. And then as some of, you know, people like me who, you know, want to move into more administrative type roles to change, to really, really change education. I mean, there are people doing that now, but there's going to be more of us and the game is definitely going to change even more. I'm excited for it because I think my kids, I'm looking at it now and I'm thinking, okay, you just said 10 years, right? That puts my kids at at 11 and one right in the prime time to experience this and then get to high school and go through. So I'm excited to see these changes happen. I mean, when, you're, when your boys get to kindergarten, kindergarten is going to look a lot different than when you did kindergarten. Right. Yeah. I'm like, when your kids get to you kindergarten, didn't eat dirt today while you're at school, I ate dirt and like while I was in school. So I don't know what you guys did. <laughs> they yeah. made like a whole YouTube video. The kid's famous and getting like millions of views, and who knows what's going to happen. Mike's jamming paste in his mouth. Yeah, I'm just eating glue over here <laughs> while I'm rubbing it in the dirt. You know, couple some feedback from the chat room. Emily is saying she would, uh, she she might contribute 
to an open document. Not, not, uh, no, it was other gyms said he would contribute now and again. And then Emily said, uh, she's with other gym. I would contribute every now and again, but it would also um, have to be easy enough to basically click on a button and then you're in. So that was, that was kind of my thing is like the, cause I'm always listening on the phone in the car. It's gotta be super yeah. easy. Ross says, I'm not looking to work on somebody else's show notes. He hates doing his own. <laughs> and I get that Ross. I don't think it's a replacement. Um, this would fit really nice in the space I do where I podcast at work where just today, you know, we had 35 people live and, and there are a bunch of learners. The reason they're there is because they love learning and they have opinions. And I think if we opened our show notes or a version of it to them and let them collaborate, I don't know if it's them writing the show notes for us as much as it's the ability to collaborate on a document together that talks about that, right? They all get mad at me because we don't capture the chat room. And they're like, whoa, in the early days, they were like, can I go back? They wanted to read the chat room. That's what they wanted. I was like, I couldn't imagine ever sitting down and reading a chat room without, you know, being there live. But that's what they wanted to do. I think, Chris, it's not necessarily recreating the the, the document, but it's learning. It's, it's doodling, writing, typing, adding. That's a learning process. That's the collaboration of it that makes it stick. And when you're done, you have a community-based document to go back to that has been created and collaborate uh, collaborated on by a bunch of people right so there's a next gen podcaster in like waiting right like you do this conversation has been like someone who has not podcasted before is going to create a podcast and be like what are show notes this is the way i do it and he's gonna be like chris he's gonna use uh flipboard um or sorry that's not the right name so flipboard flipgrid Flipgrid. Flipgrid yeah. Thank you. Flipgrid. He's going to use Flipgrid. He's going to use one of the things and the community is going to go nuts. And all of us other old school podcasters are going to be considered old school. And we're like, oh man, look at this. He's got his whole community is all talking about it. They, they talk about one thing that they mentioned in the five minute mark. And then all they held this mini conversation on it. And it's going to be this whole new thing. And it could work pretty well though. I think there's a lot of not necessarily like you said, Jim, helping with the show notes, but almost having conversations around every little aspect yeah. of the show. You have an hour and a half show. That's a lot of content. And there's probably a two minute segment in there that people want to have a little mini discussion on. No, that right on. All, that could all happen in a environment like that. Well, Ross kind of alludes to that in the second part of his comment. He says, seriously, though, he says, I think it'd be cool to be. I did make an example out of you, Ross. Sorry. Uh, he says, seriously, <laughs> though, I think it'd be cool uh, to be able to enter a link. Uh, or info about a subject and know about it or share a link to an article related to that topic. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think all the time on Ask the Podcast Coach on Saturday mornings, we have all these podcasters that are listening because it's community and they've got their two cents they want to add in on it as well. And so, you know, it might be a situation where, hey, we're talking. Yeah, yeah, we're talking about this subject, and I I could type that in, and then everybody could just start adding things into it as we go. And then that's the or, show notes, right? Yeah. There's a link to this, and the discussion's already started. The people right. who listen live got it going, and then yeah. the people who listen in post can go in and do that as well. If someone could really get that to be a fluid, no friction process, I'd be I'd be even okay with some crazy memes. Like if people had, oh totally, you know, d- right during the discussion, if people yeah. if there were funny things that were being said and memes were being created, that would be all really cool to have this living space. The one concern is just kind of troll rot on something like that, where you do want to create a little bit of a barrier because people will come in and ruin that stuff if you're not careful. Um, Chris, well, you, see, you know, see, here's the beauty. I mean, one term that comes to mind is th- what we're talking about here is the idea of the back channel. So in education, you know, if I use Twitter 
or if I use, there's actually in Padlet, a back channel template where it, it works like a chat room. People are posting their comments related to this. So that, that could be embedded and replaced, say, chat wing. Not that I'm telling you to do that, but you know, if you're crowdsourcing, uh, what's the gentleman's name? What Ross said, you know, to c contribute links and, and resources or additional information. Um, if people are talking about it anyway, you know, to give them a space to do that, it, it's as if you go to a conference and you sit in on a session and you were taking notes, but now everybody gets to share those notes. Yeah. You know, in, in education, that's what we do. There is, there are shared Google Docs or I'll go to conferences with my colleagues and we'll share some Google Docs for the day and from session to session. And that's all these live, like right now, this is a live session, right? It just, you know, we're going to, it's going to be a podcast episode. That's the final result, but this is a, you know, a personal development workshop right here, this episode and every episode that a podcaster does, if they're doing it live for their community, you have an audience that can contribute to that. It's a way to build engagement. Yeah. It's a way to mm -hmm. build and develop your community. Around you, your you said Google Doc too. I mean, that's probably the simplest version, right? Google Doc has a chat built in. What if you use your Google Doc as your live chat during the show? You've got your show notes pre-populated, just your main topic points, and then people are typing in during the show. They can type in the main doc or they can chat, all of which is saved because the chat history in a Google Doc is also saved. And you've Dude, got- That's brilliant. That's, that's brilliant. It, that's it's two in one. It's yeah. two in one, right? You've got right. your live chat. People pop open the Google Doc and- and there you go. Now, now live mobile and, and, but even for your show notes, it's a link to a Google doc and, and on mobile, it's perfect. Mobile Google docs is already built out. You open it up, your chats there, your notes are there. That might be one of the easiest ways right now to get that done. But, and Mike, to look at it this way too, with a podcast, you know, if I'm listening, say I'm one of Jim's listeners listening, you know, in the car on Spreaker, on the Spreaker app, and I'm listening live right now, you know, I'm listening live. I'm not contributing to the chat. I'm listening to the conversation. Yep. So, but for the people sitting, you know, in their offices or at their computers, the Google doc gives them the chat. And again, the place to collaborate exactly. and you could embed a Google doc on a webpage in place of a chat room. Even better. Yeah. And, and the people who are in the car anyway, the great part about it is they can go back afterwards and they could, they could collaborate or they could read the chat and you see the chat right in line with everything else. Yeah. So it gives them even a chance to go back and feel like they were part of it. Mike, I'd, I'd even make, um, so I'd even take out uh, a strip out stuff for the show notes itself so that you get the kind of the rawest content for the show notes so that you get, you're still getting some SEO. You're still getting some of those things. True. But then a link at the very top, like if you want to see a full section of the collaborated show notes right. and the chat, That'd work. It would work. Which you could even cool. then save. You, I mean, you could save the the Google Doc as a PDF. Right. Make it something that's a resource in your show notes. Yeah. Well, it could be a live doc and a PDF for folks who don't want to, don't have a Google account, whatever. Right. You could at the very end save that out. Will that save all the chat out as a PDF as well? Do you know? Uh, the the chat won't save as a PDF. But then, as I'm thinking about this on the fly, you know, you just lock down the document where anybody can view it, but can't edit it, say, after the episode's been out a week. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You can set the... Yeah. I like it. Well, well, you know what? I may try this at Gallup because this would... Man, maybe we'll try it here. I always say I try things here first. I don't know if... By hey, the next week, Home Gadget Geeks with Google Docs live next week. 
by the underwhelming response that I got from my chat room. It wasn't really that inspiring, guys. But, um, you know, although, Chris, if we move the chat into this, that's a different story. Now you're you have a reason to be here and chat could be and captured and show notes. I kind of like I don't know, chat room. Tell me what you think of that idea. Uh, Maybe we'll Mike and I have a well, Aaron's coming on next week. We can do it for any show. It doesn't matter. Um, we, I, I don't know. I'd like Mike. What do you think? Do you think we give it a, well, give it a why go? Not? Well, why not give it a go? Right. I mean, our, yeah. our people who come live, they'll probably go where, where we want them to go. Right. Yeah. They have no problem. Probably open up a Google doc. No. We'll try it out. We'll see how it goes. And they'll be able to tell us live next week. Nah, that was, that was too much friction. Right. It was too much work. Okay. I could get used to it. I like to be able to type my notes in there. How many times do we get awesome links from the chat, which is actually happening like, Oh, like this one, right? Like, and here's the link to it. Or we'll ask them a question. Hey, chat, can you find this for us? And they do it because uh, they're a great community. It, it would yeah. be cool. I think it would be at least worth a shot, right? Yeah. You know, a there's shot. a button in there that will explore for you. Bottom right-hand corner, you click it. And things that are in the notes, it will start doing searches for you, like on in the right-hand column. So we, we were yeah. talking about micro bits earlier. That's the very first thing in there. So it went out and did a related search on Microbit, and there's a bunch of links in there as well. So it's interesting. Huh? Now you would this you like you said this is not troll proof, and it's actually more susceptible to that because someone could just go in and hit delete and delete everyone's comments, mm. and they could they could go in it. But if you have a close community, well, hold on, let, let me clarify: the chat won't be deletable by a random passerby. True, chat and- wouldn't be, but the document, right? No, because the document in Google, everything is saved. It's web-based. If if I go in to the doc we're using right now and I delete everything, Jim, as the owner of the document, can just bring back an older version of the document. Oh, it's timestamp. Point. Yeah. So it is troll-proof. You're right. It is. I guess you can you <laughs> take away the trolls. Yeah, stuff. That's true. And it's it's version history. Every single change you can see. Chris, and, is I, and, ch- and I know Emily is here live, and she. I know Emily is one of the biggest trolls out there. So I don't think even she would step up to delete the document. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Emily. Love you. Love the story behind. Is the chat like the chat wing chat or is it is it just comment based on things that are in there? How's that? Do you know? Is there I see a chat in I see a comment section in there. Um, but how do I is there an actual in in the Google Doc, is there actually like a chat room? Yes. Uh if you're in the doc, you can take a look yep. at it. If you click up near the where you see like your little profile picture. Yep, yep. You should see a little man icon with some dots. Click that. You'll see the chat open up right on the side. Uh, let's see. Hold on. I, I, I must not have my document open wide enough. So some dots is what you're telling me. It's, it should be up next to where the blue share button is in a okay. Google doc. Yeah. I see open comments thread. Is that what we're, I say, yeah, I see add a comment and notifications. That's true. I didn't see. Uh, well, we won't. That this is not riveting. Uh, troubleshooting is not <laughs> riveting. Podcasting, so we'll we'll spend some time we'll figuring figure it out. out. But but Chris, the the idea is still the same. I think a little bit. You, like you've got me thinking. Like, what's the next generation of show notes, or what's the next generation of collaboration that you know as adults we're still. I mean, we're using kind of ancient tools. The kids have some have some great tools that are out there that maybe we should be taking a look at as well. And I think that was your point tonight was like, Hey, there's some things here that the kids that we're using with the kids that could be breakout tools for the future. Jim, I did my job. I'm a teacher and I'm going to leave here and you will have thought. 
<laughs> you're like, I got this thing. Drop the mic. I am out. Drop the chalk. <laughs> You've done a nice job. Chris, let's do one more uh, book creator at bookcreator.com. Tell us a little bit about that one. This is something that is really cool. So for anybody who's listening, who's ever wanted to make an ebook, this is the tool that will let you do it. This is a tool that used to only be available on the iPad. And now bookcreator.com is available cross-platform. You can use it on a tablet. You can use it on Windows. You can use it on Mac in the browser. Uh, it's Chrome friendly. It's Firefox friendly. And it's very simple. You create and you publish. So you can create elaborate or even complex eBooks that you can make available in a virtual library. You can save and print out PDFs. Uh, I believe you can also submit to the iBooks, uh, Apple iBooks store, and they have great drag and drop tools to type text, import text, add video, make the books interactive. So obviously this is something that's happening in classrooms, you know, throughout the world. It's, this is not just the United States, um, but to bring it into your home, definitely a tool to build, you know, family albums, recipe books, um, any type of book that you've ever consumed, you can create using this and it's digital. And then the output, you said uh, you said you could submit it uh, to to Apple Books, but can you just can I just make a PDF that I get to keep? And what's the pricing on something like that? Uh, I believe you, you can just create the PDF, and you, you can uh, for free. You can have one library, and a user for free can create up to forty books. Oh wow! And then what you can do with those books, you can download them, publish them, share them, create and store. 40 yes. books for free. Yep. Wow. Yep. And no, no size limits on those books. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, no. Okay. So create a book and you can have up to f consider the book like a project. So up yeah. to 40 projects. And what would a library be then in that? Like say it says create one library store up to 40 books. What's the library? Uh, it, it actually looks like a digital bookshelf oh, where okay. you see like the thumbnails of the books you create. So that's one library. Um, they have higher plans that cost different amounts of obviously money where uh, I believe the next one up is you can have three libraries and up to 60 books in each library. So the library is kind of like a collection, you know, but people have a hard enough time writing one book. <laughs> yeah. Well, but for, for an aspiring writer, it might be, um, you know, might be a start, right? I mean, and, and they could, you could crank out, Get, get just get started on it, and at least it's a framework, right? To get started, absolutely. I mean, and, and there's no downside to starting something like this. <laughs> there isn't. Uh, so, by the way, we got our very first meme from Emily out there. If you click in the chat, it's a good reason to join us live. Uh, Emily has created me <laughs> thinking when we think about it, I say that I have some phrases that I say all the time, right? That's it's, a good one. We, we all do. <laughs> It, you know, this perspective and, and some of those kinds of things I see all the time. My college and high school interns remind me of that. They also have made memes of me and things that I say all the time. I want to do a meme when it's just all the intro text, like your entire intro. I think I could do it off of memory now that I've heard uh, you. I bet you could. Yeah, yeah I bet you could. I love we'll, uh, we'll, for those watching the video, we'll throw that up on the, uh, the video feed. When we think about. <laughs> when we think about, I say that a lot. Uh, I apologize in advance. Think about podcasting so. and where it's going in the future. Yeah, it's, it's not the worst crutch in the world. So no, no, there's there's a lot worse um, there. Well, um, Chris, cool. 
a cool little tool for folks to think about when we are thinking about, let me, let me stop sharing here, um, book writing. Because I think for a lot of people, they think that that book writing process is really, really difficult to even get started. This would allow you to write, open up a Word doc and start typing away. Yeah, but you know, uh, with like a Word doc, Mike, it's hard to share. Can you, Chris, can you share these? Like uh, as I'm writing a book, can I share it out to people so they can come see it? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I've had, again, from doing this in the classroom, you know, students create their books and, you know, they send me a share link. And when I click on the link, I can view their book, you know, digitally and it presents a web version of whatever they've created. And I see really the intention is here is that a teacher starts a library and then students can submit their books to that library and everybody yes. in the classroom can see those books. So it's a collaborative space from that, from that standpoint. Yep. It, it's all about collaboration for it. Got it. Now, very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, three really good uh, things for you tonight. Flipgrid, Padlet, and Book Creator. Chris, I told you we would, uh, I think you had four things on the list. And I said, uh, we probably wouldn't. Hey, let's, while you have Sway out there, you threw Sway. That's a, that's a, Sway is a Microsoft product we've talked about there before, but why do you like Sway? Uh, For the same reason I like everything. It's interactive. It's engaging. And it allows people to flex their creative muscles and strengthen that part of ourselves without too much effort. And it definitely allows people to go a little bit further and create stuff that's visually appealing. And you don't have to, no offense, you don't have to know code. You don't have to really dig in too deep and you can still create something that's worthwhile. Mike, have you used Sway at all? I have not. It's actually my first time hearing about it. It's a, it's a Microsoft. It was actually, I think, another product they consumed in a company they bought. And that some of the best technology that Microsoft gets is when they bought it from somebody else. Um, I think that's the case on this. But yeah, but Microsoft's really moving in a direction when we were there for the summit. They're doing more and more work on creating automatic. If I have a whole bunch of pictures, I throw them in and it creates them. You know, I can add music. It times them. It does the right. They call that artificial intelligence. I just say it's a really smart picture layout. So I'm not sure I want to give AI the credit for that. But um, you know, putting together these really sharp looking, entertaining photo, because we're taking more photos than we ever have. Although I take less photos now than I did when I was 25. It's the weirdest thing. Um, but uh Sway is one of those tools that can help you get that done and you can be collaborative. On it as well, so we'll throw that in as well. Chris, thanks for uh, for hanging out with us tonight. I appreciate your kind of your insights into anything else from a from a teaching standpoint. If you if you were going to encourage our listeners, who I, we have a lot, you know, this is a an adult podcast, thirty five to fifty five. A lot of listeners have kids. As a teacher, if you were going to encourage the listeners to do one thing with their kids or how they can help you as a teacher or how they can help the teachers in their school. You're on the ground floor. What, what advice would you give them? How should they help you guys? Hold on. Let me get my soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got the platform. I might as yes. well let you use it. Right. What do you think? Here, here's what I want you to do. Moms and dads or, or, or grand granddads and grandmothers with the children in your lives who are school age. Spend time with them, engage with them, encourage them. They're living a different life than you lived and have 
again, based on the show we're doing here, your children today have more technology available to them than at any point in history. Encourage them. Don't stifle creativity. Encourage those children to be creative for as long as possible because the far majority of kids, they're having the creativity metaphorically beat out of them by, say, grade five and six when testing kicks in, you know, standardized testing and things like that. But when you've got them at home, you know, enjoy that time with them. Take them outside, play with them, ask them how their day was. Uh, and, and the best question you can ask any young person, not what do you want to be when you grow up, but start asking what, do, what problems do you want to solve and engage your kids that way. It's good advice. I love that. What problem do you want to solve? That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's Find what it comes down point to. Fix it. And that's what a lot of these yeah. of the best entrepreneurs are doing these days, right? They're finding a big pain point and they're fixing it. Yeah. Start that mentality early. Right on. All right, Uyghur, you got a little cocky on me and said you could do the the entire beginning of the show, but can you do the end of the show? Like, I don't I don't think I can. Because <laughs> by the end of the show, I've usually had like a beer or two. So I'm not as like, you know, sharp as like right at the beginning. Not, and it's always it's never I'll as tight. It's yeah. never as tight at the end of the show. Chris, hang around for a little bit here, but uh, remind everyone that uh, we talked at the beginning of the show. If you want to support the podcast or get access to the post-show crypto conversations that we're doing, it's super easy. Just join us on Patreon, theaverageguy.tv slash support. If you get, uh, if you just join up with the $1, uh, $1 a month, that is, uh, rate, we will add you to the list. It'll automatically come through Patreon. You get a email every time I post something out there. Last couple weekends, I don't know, maybe I was drinking. I had to do it like eight times. I'm not sure why, but uh, you'll get those notifications from us on Patreon, and that's the way you get them. We even have an RSS feed out there if you want to use that, if uh, if it's available to you. Don't forget, you can con you can contact me. Always send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. You can find me on Twitter at Jay Collison. We uh, really, email is a terrible way to contact me. Uh, Twitter is much faster. Facebook's even better. Join our Facebook group. If you go out to theaverageguy.tv slash groups, and then I think, I'll just look it up here. If you go to The Average Guy, yeah, just The Average Guy. The Average Guy, uh, Facebook.com, actually, this gets you there. Facebook.com slash The Average Guy. That's what gets you there if you want to do it. And join our group. Love to have the great conversation out there. I'm on Facebook all the time for work. And so that's the fastest way to get a hold of me if you want to do that as well inside those groups. Don't forget the AverageGuy.tv platform. This is what you could say a bunch of times, Mike, if, yeah. what I'm about to say now. The AverageGuy.tv platform, both web and media hosting, powered by our friends at Maple Grove Partners. Get secure, reliable, high-speed hosting from people that you know and you trust. And, of course, you know that's Christian. And um, I said last week we were going to have Christian on Cyber Frontiers. And then I got really busy with work this week. It was parent-teacher conferences, like I mentioned earlier. And I was at work till 7, 30, 8. Each of the each of the nights, Chris. I know that's nothing for you. Oh, you have to do that too, right? You guys got to do parent teacher conferences in the evening, occasionally, right? Yeah. Occasionally, <laughs> a couple times a year, and uh, and so we couldn't get that pulled off. We're going to try and do it this week. But uh, for more information about that hosting, Christian does a great job. Uh, MapleGrovePartners.com, and then don't forget you can listen to Home Gadget Geeks on your Android or iPhone just by downloading our app. Go to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. Big buttons, easy to subscribe to, easy to use, absolutely free. We thank LastPass for their sponsorship of that. I think third year in a row, maybe fourth. LastPass.com uh, if you want to get all your passwords taken care of. And God, passwords have never been more important. And changing them fast has never been more important than it is right now. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so head out to lastpass.com. T-shirts are still available if you're going to grab them. And I think Emily, uh, not Emily, I think uh, Addie and I are going to try and come up with a new design here uh, coming up. But if you want to grab the OG, theaverageguy.tv slash shirt, get you there as well. And we want to thank you coming out for coming out if you're listening live. <laughs> what is the phone app, Mike? You're asking. Oh, sorry, I'm talking to Emily. Oh, we're, having, we're having a conversation about me. Oh, okay, good. Because I, I said yeah, it's at homegadgetgeeks.com. That's yeah, the, yeah. Well, oh, what's what's the after? We are. Yeah. I thought you were trying to be smart. No, though. I should have played along. No, I should have played along with it. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv live, and we'd love to have you come out and join us live. Well, uh, if you're listening to the live show, stay around. We got some great post post show crypto conversation going on, and with that we'll say good night, everybody. Chris, good work. Nicely done. My pleasure. Yeah. I love, I love, I love all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. No, it shows. And I appreciate your opinion. Um, if for anyone listening to the, we're going to start the crypto, for anyone listening to the post show now on, on Patreon, we'll go into the crypto conversation here in just a second. But um, Chris, it shows in, in this, your passion about things. I appreciate that. I know teachers get beat up more than anybody right now. It seems like, you know, parents are beating on you, administrators are beating on you with all the crazy stuff that's going on with violence in schools. You know, there's this talk of, do we arm you or not? And that's just, just crazy talk. But um, yeah, <laughs> you guys, yeah, that's crazy talk. But you guys really are, you know, you're set in the future for us. And so I appreciate that. It's a, It's not an easy job. We don't pay you enough. All those things, you know, um, you guys just you guys just do it. So I appreciate the work that you do. My kids is, is that what you say? My kids is high school teachers. That's probably not proper English. <laughs> I'm is, not an English teacher. <laughs> oh, good, thank God. Uh, but I do have a lawyer, so he could correct me. I guess, Mike. Not my strong suit. <laughs> All my kids English teachers. Thank you. All my kids English teachers. Thank you. Um, are. <laughs> I just, I love them. And we made sure we went to every parent teacher conference. We made sure that they knew who we were. We made sure that they knew the kids that we had their back. And that, man, that just changed everything with the way they teachers back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We told every teacher, like, hey, look, you know, I know my kid's not perfect. And I want to know if they're screwing up because we have your back. We're for you. And even if the teacher wasn't good, engagement is key. Yeah. Oh no. It's, it's, I think it's the key. I think it's, I think it's what fixes things. Even if the teacher wasn't good, we said that because it would change the equation of how the teacher um, treated our child, knowing we supported it. And it's just, so it was, that was our key to parents. I, I always tell parents have the teachers back, even if they're bad. Now, if it's really bad, okay, that's a different story, but that doesn't happen very often. Right. Um, so and Jim, that's not I, the first time I've heard you say that, that that's what you said in the conference. And I had always been annoyed by the parents who went in and thought their kids pooped didn't stink, you know, and, and just wanted to ride the teacher for doing anything. But the way you phrase that, I've always thought about, okay, hey, oh yeah, Jim said that. That was a really good way to phrase it. Like, we have your back, just so you know. Let us know if our kid's being a jerk and, and we'll take care of that at home. Like, we need to know. We're, we're trying, but we, we will take care of that at home. Yeah, Trust we'll me. Take care of that at home. Like, and we will let them know. We're not going to come in here and chew you out for calling him a jerk because, yeah, he probably was being a jerk or whatever it is, you know, having the teachers back. I always like the way you phrase that, Jim. Mike, you can practice that in elementary school, by the way, when you doesn't never too early to get with the teachers and say, I am, you know, <clears throat> even in kindergarten, I'm on your side. Yeah. 
No, I know. And that's my, that's our plan. Right. And Hannah and I have always been, we're a little bit more old school that way. Right. And that's, you know, the teachers, we're going to trust them. And if you know, you want to whip the kid, whip the kid. I mean, he probably deserves it. If you, if you think he deserves it, <laughs> probably won't happen it. any longer. But yeah, yeah. But sadly, they can't do that yeah. anymore. But sometimes the kids uh, really deserve it. Yeah. I mean, like, like, like for you, Mike, with your kids, uh, they're they're a couple of years away from going to like pre-K and kindergarten. Yeah. Yep. It, it's not just supporting the teacher, but it's also even in those younger grades being able to speak for your child. You know, I, I found with my oldest who is in kindergarten this year that while he's got an outgoing personality and you know he's he's a pretty dynamic youngster. Um, my wife and I have to kind of go to bat for him to kind of explain who he is when he can't do that for himself. Okay. So it's, it's letting, and, and it, it's also tough for the both of us. Cause I mean, she's a high school librarian, right. um, you know, a uh, teacher, and it's always tough not to want to pull the, Hey, Mr. And Mrs. So-and-so I'm also a teacher. I hate pulling the teacher card. Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, I got to keep my dad hat on and not put on my teacher hat. Yeah, we, we had a situation. But, but I appreciate that. If a parent has some insight that you might have not seen before, hey, this kid, X, Y, Z, whatever it is that you're not privy to, does that help? Absolutely. Okay. And, and, and it's the, not making, the, you don't consider it making an excuse for your kid, like, oh, he does that because X, Y, Z. As soon as you start to hear that, you don't kind of like, oh, okay, here's, here come the I mean, excuses. It, there's a difference. If, if For me, if, if, if a parent comes in and says, oh, you know, Billy, is always behind on his homework because he's playing, you know, travel baseball. Okay. I don't want to hear that. Yeah. You know, I want to hear, Hey, you know, we're, we're working with Billy to be able to manage his time. Do you, you know, ask me for strategies or is there anything I could do to make any modifications to, you know, not cut the kids. Maybe it's just cutting some slack, right? but you know, come to me with that. Come to me with, you know, a solution and, and it, it, it like anything, it's all how you phrase it. Yeah. But I mean, more teachers at any level need to be human beings because I mean, I'm people, you're people, they're people. Right. And sometimes we forget that. Yeah, it's a tough job. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I couldn't. I'd just having him. that conversation. I, oh our friends, the teacher, I would, conversation. I'd get thrown out of school. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have the patience for it. I just, I couldn't, I've tried to do some church stuff with kids. And it's like, oh, I'm going to kill you when we're out of here. We will walk out of here, kid. You and me in the parking oh, lot in five minutes. I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that my high school kids are some of the best kids in the city of Omaha. So we have no, I have, I literally in the four, five years I've been doing this, I have never had to discipline anyone or even ask them to do things differently. Um, you know, we don't, we definitely don't have to ask them to date each other. They don't do that because that's just not, it's too uncomfortable. But it is. Um, is there a rule is, against that? No, no, no dating other. Okay. No, I I don't like it because it's if they do break up, it creates a weird. Yeah, those teenage hormones, though, like know, you know, no, you know. know. And I'm sure there's plenty of things going on behind my back, but um, it it they're pretty good kids, and yeah. so I don't. That is a perfect scenario for me because it just does not bring the discipline issues. Um, Chris, we had a situation uh, early on in grade school with one of the boys and. You know, that I don't know if the teacher was in the right, and my son was definitely not in the right. And, you know, normally where I would say, hey, I've got your back 100% of the time, um, I was kind of starting to question that. And I just pulled the principal in, and the four of us met together, the principal, the teacher, my son, and me, and got some neutral, you know, the, the principal was really, really good at having kind of a neutral position on that. And we were able to work through in half an hour, 45 minutes, what the real issue was. You know, I had a headstrong teacher and a headstrong student and they just were not meshing. And we kind of came up 
with a plan, but it helped for me to be there and hear for the teacher to hear that I'm listen, I hear what you're saying and I understand the problems you're having. We we have these problems at home too. And and to be able to work through it with the principal there, man, that changed everything. So even in a situation where I felt the teacher was not necessarily in the right, I just wasn't going to go in there and blast. We needed to have a professional conversation with an administrator present that, and man, we made, yeah, that one light years. We, after that, we never had problems with him. It was a turning point for him uh, in a lot yeah, of I mean, ways too. Today, the problem is you get a parent who emails you at 1130 at night and then emails you at eight o'clock in the morning wanting to know why you didn't respond to the first email. <laughs> right. Uh, hey, I have that in my job too. Sometimes. And they've copied the superintendent on all their emails. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Oh, that's the the famous copy. Or BCC them even worse. And you, you don't even oh, know yeah. where they're included. But <laughs> no. so, so Chris, I have, I have a question for you. So Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a um, Gary V baby. Yeah. Gary V. Okay. So I'm a big Gary V fan. And he has this, he, he has been recently reposting some of his old posts uh, because of the whole Facebook thing about how, Hey, it's, the society loves to blame technology for all of our problems because it's easier to do that than to kind of look in the mirror and see the actual problems we have. So you being a huge tech guy in the education space, do you see a lot of parents wanting to blame technology for all these problems with their kids instead of saying, instead of looking and saying, Hey, this is actually a parenting issue and we are not parenting correctly. And our kids, it's not technology. It's causing the problem. Uh, it's, it's the lack of parenting. Uh, I have yet to meet the parent who says it's my fault, meaning them looking at themselves and saying, yeah, you know what? I, um, I've screwed up. Okay. Do you I think on the inside, the- maybe they are, even if they're not saying on the outside, are some of them at least starting to maybe internally be like, shoot, I really didn't parent this very well. I, the, the closest I've come is when I've worked with some troubled students, the ones that have a lot of discipline issues, you know, that they've got some stuff going on outside of school, you know, yeah. whether it's divorce or, or anything like that. Um, I, I've had parents say to me, you know, I don't know what to do. I, and, you know, as you know, when I worked in a middle school, it was, you know, child's in eighth grade and I, I don't know what I'm going to do with them. And I've got to deal with them for another or her for another, you know, four or five years. And, and I don't know what to do. So there are some parents who have lost control and they, they just don't know how to get that back. Okay. But do you see a lot of, okay. So in that case, yeah, they're they're taking accountability for it. But I just I when he said that, I hadn't really thought about it before. But you know, I've always thought that parenting is you know is is underrated in our society. We don't kind of look back at what parenting did to a lot of these kids. And man, I didn't think about it, but I think we are blaming technology for a lot of things that we could probably take accountability for on our own. I didn't well, know if I you mean, saw that in the space of parenting and tech. And there there are some parents who I mean they'll make every excuse. There are those parents that will make every excuse other than my child doesn't, my child doesn't actually walk on water and, you know, <laughs> turn bread into fish or, you know, whatever yeah, the case may be. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you should see him at home. He turns all of our water into wine. I swear. I know. And, and some of the parents look like that's what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's an interesting space. I, I'm lucky that I get to have this conversation and look at this as my kids are still younger and I get to make sure that I don't fall into the same traps um, and easy way outs that I think there are today 
you know, because technology isn't, it's an easy way to blame it, right? You're like, ah, social media these days, these kids, and it's, it's social media's fault. These kids are so insecure and they don't have any, you know, they blame social media. They blame YouTube. They blame, you know, Fortnite now is the big thing to blame why my kid's distracted. (laughs) No, God, I blame that on why I'm distracted. I'm a, I'm a Fortnite addict. Let's be honest. Say, we, Uyghurs having trouble. I, yeah, I mean, my, I'm me and my wife. Well, she <laughs> she blames me, but she yeah. less than you. She less than me. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that's hilarious. R- really, the biggest thing is it's every like of all the things I can blame for my child's not being successful. My child is the last thing on the list that I'm going to blame them for why they're not meeting expectations. Gotcha. Them and then or it's parents who want to be or, their kid's friend, you know? Or, yeah, that's true. Or themselves, right? The kid or, hey, it's me as a parent. I messed up. I we, yeah. we had plenty of issues with our kids, and now they're, you know, my kids are 29, 27, 25, 20, and 19. And um, on Saturday, we had a birthday party. And, you know, we had a few of these. And, <laughs> and it, it was a ton of fun. Like, I am their friend now. And I, I don't have to be a dad anymore, but mm-hmm. that wasn't when they were 14. Like you can't be there when they're 14 like that. You That's have to point. be a parent at that age. The time, yeah, here's the, come, funny thing. Right? the time will come when you get that privilege. You've done the work when they're You'll that age, way more. you get right. the privilege when they, when they're in their twenties. And that's got, that's so sweet. It is great. I, I, I gotta be transparent here. Yeah. I'm going to be 37 in a couple of weeks. And you know, my, my dad, we have a great relationship. Um, and you know, we have the things that we are bonded and connected over, but I'm going to be 37 and my dad will not hesitate. If he sees me, what he thinks is doing something wrong, whether it's in my marriage, how I'm, what I'm doing with my kids or any personal choices I'm making, he and my mother will still let me know. (laughs) I'll get the email. I'll get the text message that says, call me. Or, hey, I'm going to take you out to dinner. And then 20 minutes into the dinner, it's, oh, by the way, there's this thing I want to talk to you about. Uh-huh. So I still, yeah. at the age of 37, get lectured by my parents. Yeah. And no, I, I do not, too. Yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, what, but I might, yeah. And it's a hybrid, right? Like I still have the experiences Jim was talking about where we have a great time. My mom and I love to crack a bottle of wine and, and have some deep talks, but they'll also, they'll make their opinion known. And, and I'm, you know. There's, there's a lot and they've earned time, it. Right? They, they, they've put in the time, the blood, the sweat, and the tears. Yeah, right. I pick up a pack of smokes. My dad's still going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You are not allowed to, to smoke. Like that, It would still be a conversation, right? <laughs> I, I may be a little liberal in that spot because some of the kids have been like, well, and I, I kind of go, really? Like, is that what we're doing? All right. Okay. Well, you know, and they know. Like uh, my, my old, or no, my, my number four just got this big, gigantic tattoo. He's in, he's in Japan and there's a really good tattoo guy there and he's a Marine and he's making his own decisions. Like he's, I'm done parenting. Like it, it <laughs> but it, I, this is not my favorite thing in the world. Like I wasn't, you know, like, oh, great. I was like, whoa, wow. <laughs> you know, kind of, that's pretty big. But, you know, you got to kind of, it's his thing now. He's, he's the adult, right? And yeah. so I might be a little more, I might be on the, Chris, if you're, if your mom and dad are on the conservative spectrum, I might be on the liberal, which I've never associated anything in my life with liberalism, but I might be on the more <laughs> liberal side when it comes to parenting. Cause I, <clears throat> I figure we parented until they were out of the house and then, and we still trust me, I give them advice and they know when I'm kind of like, uh, I don't really like that. Like. But at the end of the day, they're making their decisions. And I appreciated my parents kind of staying out of my way. 
they let me make plenty of decisions that I shouldn't have made. And I remember at like 25 or 26 going, you know, you guys are pretty smart. I should, uh, <laughs> I should <laughs> listen to you guys a little bit more uh, than, I, than I have. So Yes, but for all of us, between the ages of, say, 13 and 25, there was that period where our parents were just the dumbest people. Oh, yeah. And they got smart overnight. I know. Yeah, yeah. you're like, <laughs> you guys were pretty. You guys were pretty smart. So pretty cool. All right. Good conversation. I may tag this on the end of the show. It was it was pretty related to what we were talking about from the Ed side. So I'm taking 